Good afternoon and welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and thanks for tuning in today. I'm here with you every Thursday at One Mountain on KLZ 560 AM, and we're now simulcasting on KLDC 1220 AM, which is where I got my start in radio, little known fact. And, you know, condolences to the family and loved ones of Mr. Leon Owens Jr., who just passed away, and Mr. Owens worked at Crawford Broadcasting when I started at KLDC, and he was just such a kind, wonderful gentleman, and just walked me through the process of introducing me to radio and all of the contracts and everything that goes along with it, and he was just so loving and prayerful about it, and um, just my heart goes out to his family and his loved ones. May he rest in peace, Mr. Leon Owens. Well, we're also streaming online at drpegradio.com, and we're live today on Facebook. And so just go to my Dr. Peg, Dr. Peg page on Facebook. That's a little tongue twister, <laughs> Dr. Peg page on Facebook to watch live today. And we couldn't do what we do without our sponsor, SSI Guardian, who set the new standard in advanced safety education training. And to learn more, go to ssiguardian.com. And September is National Recovery Month, which is designed to increase awareness and understanding of mental and substance use disorders and celebrate the individuals living in recovery. And there are a lot of folks who are impacted by mental disorders and substance use disorders. And for example, in 2016, almost 45 million adults aged 18 or older had a mental illness of any kind in the past year. And that would include things like, like schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, panic disorder. And over half of those adults did not receive the mental health services they needed. And regarding substance abuse, opioid use in particular is rising steadily and rapidly. And in 2016, almost 12 million people aged 12 and older were misusing opioids and 21 million people needed substance use treatment. And so talk about a double whammy. Uh, 8.2 million people had both a mental illness and a substance use disorder. But dis despite these disturbing stats and trends, experts tell us that recovery is possible and we can have hope. And that's what I've been focusing on this month. Last week we talked about uh, suicide prevention, and but the hope that people can have to be in recovery and to overcome suicidal thoughts. And the same is true for mental illness and substance use disorders. We can have hope for recovery. And that's exactly what my guests Lorraine Hoover and Matthew Jarvis are passionate about. Lorraine Hoover lost her brother Raymond Roundtree Jr. to an opioid overdose. And Matthew Jarvis was Raymond's friend and Matthew is now himself a therapist and licensed addictions counselor. And today we're talking about the devastating effects of substance abuse and mental disorders, the options for recovery, and importantly, hope. So Matthew and Lorraine, thanks so much for being back on the program. Welcome back. Thank Welcome. You. Great to, to be, be here. here, Peggy. It's really good to have you all, and um, probably we'll continue having you all on on a regular basis because this problem's not going away. You heard the stats that I, that I shared. Um, Mental Ill illness, addiction, um, have a profound impact on people and their families. Uh, and this is not something we should be ignoring. Agreed. And Matthew, you work in this profession, um, working with folks every day. Um, how hard is it to get folks to recognize they've got an issue and it's time to get help? Well, I mean, it's difficult, especially with addictive disorders. A lot of people enter treatment um, as a result of an intervention or other outside external 
pressures and, and challenges. Um, and so it, it can be a challenge. And even when somebody is in the treatment environment or, uh, you know, engaged in a, in a therapy program, there's still barriers within treatment that have to be overcome. Mm -hmm. And so um, as far as stigma and, yeah. and gender issues and yeah. co-occurring disorders yes. that are a challenge. So, um, you know, getting a person in the door is is the first part of the challenge, mm -hmm. which is a huge challenge. And then what happens when they get there? That's what we'll talk about here yeah. today. Sure, um, sure. So, so much uh, good information coming for you. Listeners, we're also taking your calls today. If you're in recovery and want to share your story or want to tell your experience of helping a friend or family member who's now in recovery from a mental disorder or substance use disorder, our phone lines are open for you to share on the air. The number's 303 477 5600. And this is Living Well with Dr. Peg, and I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell Clark. And we'll be back after these messages. Uh, remember, we're brought to you by our sponsor, SSI Guardian, who set the new standard in advanced safety education training. You can register now for SSI Guardian Stop the Threat Advanced Safety Training coming up in October at North Carolina State University. Go to SSIGuardian.com and tell them Dr. Peg sent you. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Schools are increasingly adopting 21st but safety largely remains absent from the conversation and fragmented efforts continue allowing for security gaps. Studies show effective learning can only exist when students and teachers feel safe. As the industry leader providing innovative educational solutions for more than 58 years, School Specialty has created the 21st Century Safe School, which aligns next generation learning best practices with proven safety solutions focused on the mental, physical, and emotional well-being of every student, teacher, and school employee. From early childhood solutions to advanced training for teachers and administrators, the 21st Century Safe School is the most complete and comprehensive approach available to schools and universities. Give every child a 21st Century Safe School by calling us at 877-878-5800 and learn more about this innovative approach at SSIGuardian.com. Feeling stuck? Want something different? If you're finally ready to make the changes you've been talking about, join psychologist and author Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark for an exclusive one-day personal transformation retreat. Experience a time of refreshment, reflection, and focus designed to help you attain life-transforming clarity about where you are, where you want to go, and what's holding you back. You'll also learn the latest psychological research and behavior change strategies to help you achieve freedom from the habits that keep you stuck. Schedule your life-changing personal transformation retreat today by going to drpegradio.com forward slash retreat. Welcome back, everyone. This is Living Well with Dr. Peg, brought to you by SSI Guardian, and I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and thanks for tuning in today. This is National Recovery Month, and we're talking about mental disorders, substance use disorders, and celebrating individuals living in recovery. And uh, Matthew, um, uh, Nine News had a, a recovery week, and I, I thought I might have seen you on the manning those phones and taking calls that week. Yeah, so yeah. a few months back, we were running mm -hmm. hotlines throughout at the University of Colorado Hospital and some other organizations to uh, to set up hotlines mm -hmm. for people to call in and get their questions answered, get connected with uh, resources and, yep. and different um, community-based mental health programs. So that was a great 
experience. Mm -hmm. Great, great. And we're going to take your calls today, listeners. If you um, have helped someone to get connected to treatment, as Matthew was talking about before the break, that can be really hard. As hard as treatment is, it can be hard to get a loved one, a family member to really see, you know what, it's time to get help. And so if you'd like to call in and share your story, uh, the number today is 303-477-5600. We'd be happy to have you on the air and share your story of hope and encouragement. That's really what we're talking about. And my guests are Lorraine Hoover and Matthew Jarvis. And Lorraine sadly lost her brother Raymond to an opioid overdose. Uh, but that loss has ignited her commitment to education and prevention around drug use. And Lorraine, you have a foundation in honor of your brother's memory that provides affordable, transitional, and sustainable wraparound services to those individuals and family members impacted by the consequences of addictive drug use. And we'll find out what all those cool phrases mean in just a moment. And hopefully Matthew can help us understand what that type of treatment really looks like. Matthew Jarvis is a licensed professional counselor who's worked in the field of behavioral health for over 13 years. And Matthew's also a licensed addictions counselor. And you've got a whole bunch of other initials after your name. (laughs) So very credentialed professional. He specializes in working with folks who struggle with addictions, relationship, trauma, PTSD, and mood issues, among other things. So again, Matthew and Lorraine, thanks so much for being back on the program with me today. A pleasure to be back again. Thank you, and yeah. you you both have a personal connection to what we're talking about today, um, recovery from mental um, health issues and substance use issues. It's National Recovery Month. Lorraine, your brother's story is a tragic uh, story of addiction, mental health challenges, uh, and ultimately leading to his um, tragic death uh, from an overdose. Um, talk about... Uh, what what this topic means to you, having that personal connection, having lost your brother. Thank you, Peggy. For me, um, I think, the, you know, for those that are out there, you know, there's recovery for those that have lost someone, too. And so um, I can yeah. can speak from that perspective mm-hmm. that I think it's an ongoing cycle. It was in January of 2017. And for me, everybody deals with a loss differently. But when it deals with an overdose where it's a self-inflicted um, and maybe mentally not aware, but inflicted, um, it's something that I think takes a life long lesson of trying to figure out how to wrap your head around it. And so um, with my brother and and the loss, I know that it wasn't intentional for him because he wasn't that kind of person. But in looking and going through this journey, I've learned that mental illness is real. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, more so in the um, African-American and other statistics minority um, background, there tends to be just that pride that even if you show up for recovery, you're mentally not there. And, And Matthew and I kind of briefly talked about this. And I think that my brother went through several, um, I'd say nine that I'm aware of that were either um, required or um, mandatory. Nine nine times. Nine times that Mm -hmm. I'm aware of that Mm -hmm. he went through recovery. And so um, it gives you that stigma 
stigma that you can't say that, oh, well, why don't they just get it? Because Mm -hmm. if it is mental illness and if it is, as we're seeing the statistics that you spoke of, it's taking people's lives, it's out of their control. Mm -hmm. And um, statistics say it changes your thought process. And so I, you know, saw my brother change over time um, in a way that he was, you know, just really beat down and and it beats a person down to the point that um, they're really, it's a mental torment Mm -hmm. because it's not anything they're proud of. And um, so I want to just first say congratulations to all those that are recoveries and and Matthew for you and all those that are listening and all those that have a loved one there to just honor them because the test is real. I think it's a daily process Mm -hmm. that, you know, you can be triggered. And I think as we look at our climate in today's world, there's so many triggers that can allow us to go there, look at our suicide rate, even with our youth. And so it's important for us to um, make sure that when we're dealing with a loss or someone that's lost a loss to anything, but particularly, you know, to an overdose, that we get educated on um, the fact that there's a reason why we were a part of it. And that's how I've I've taken this, that yeah. there's a reason why it happened. It was my brother. Um, there's a reason why Matthew um, and I have reconnected over so many years. And I'm believing that, you know, through this process, I can proudly say that we do have a scholar that is enrolled and starts on Wednesday through the scholarship program that we funded last year through many of the donors that have helped and those that got on bikes with Mm -hmm. me along with Matthew. And so, um, it's out there. So for those that don't feel like they have the funding, please know that it's there. And And we'll talk more about your foundation (laughs) and, and when you're talking about this scholarship and the treatment, keep me on track. Uh, When I had you on in the past, you were just starting your fundraiser. And so you have raised enough funds to have the first uh, person uh, receiving a scholarship to get treatment. And we'll talk about that. I want to hear from Matthew first, though. Uh, Matthew, you're a friend of, of Raymond's and yeah. Lorraine's family from a young a young boy, and you've had your own painful struggles uh, during early adulthood, including addictions and terrible relationships, panic and anger problems. Uh, and so I want you to talk about your path and maybe yeah. some of the similarities between yourself and Raymond, Lorraine's brother, and um, you're here today um, dedicating your professional life to helping people like Lorraine's brother and your friend. Yeah, thank you. And um, I mean, I would just say personally, you know, um, to all the people out there that are listening to this, that I am a uh, product of treatment and mental health services. And every single statistic that uh, is out there, uh, that that speaks to my life mm-hmm. um, says that I shouldn't be sitting here mm. right now. I should be dead or in prison. Mm. And the ACE study, all that, I get A on all of it. I adverse all, childhood yeah, experiences. Adverse child. Raymond mm-hmm. and myself, I've mm. had a single single uh, parent, raised by a single parent, alcoholism, PTSD. Um, at this point in my life, I'm outperforming peers that did not go through these mm. adverse experiences. And I'm not saying that to gloat. I'm saying that to the person out there that, that doesn't have hope. Um, because you mentioned that at the beginning of the, of the session and we don't screen for that. Right. Right. And, and that's the one mm-hmm. thing that got me through all of this is I had hope that things could be better. How, where did that hope come from? Um, just looking out into the community and really from my own heart, I knew that things could be different if I trusted the, the providers and trusted the people around me and, and did what they said. Mm. And, and things changed when I let go of, of my ego and my pride and, and, and Raymond, my, I mean, he was like a brother to me. So we grew up in the same 
uh, neighborhood, and he was a really tough person. I mean, he's a, just a tough guy. We grew up in a tough little area over on the east side of Denver, and, you know, when you talk about he's been to treatment nine times, mm. um, he took that toughness with him into the treatment, and it, they, it, unfortunately, it, what, they wasn't able to crack that. Well, one, one way to look at that, yeah. though, is he went back nine times or went the first time and went back eight more times. Yeah, yeah. And in that way, he was very persevering and tough. And I, I can do this. I'm going to try again. Who, who falls eight times and gets back up that yeah. ninth time and tries again? So in some ways, that shows his toughness. No, yeah, that's a great point. And, and it speaks to the, uh, the average person does have to try several times before mm -hmm, they get it. Mm -hmm. And um, just from a cultural perspective, you know, I don't know if that the places that where he was at were equipped to sort of disarm some of this, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the male machismo, whatever that he brought. Mm -hmm. And it ultimately it ended up his undoing. And so um, him and I had very similar paths in life and very different outcomes. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the, the key distinction is that at some point I just surrendered to the whole mm. process mm -hmm. and let go. And I had to just w walk away from everything basically and it, it, there was a tremendous amount of sacrifice involved. And honestly, I think that that's what prevents people from getting the full, robust gifts of recovery that are available because there, there's a price that's got to be paid. Yes. There's a sacrifice that's got to be made. And a lot of people aren't, are just aren't, aren't willing. willing. They yes. want to kind of keep things afloat and mm -hmm. keep things moving forward like we all are. Yes. And, and change change is hard. It's yeah. scary, and it comes at a cost. It comes at a and, cost. But staying where you are, staying stuck, Lorraine, comes at a cost. You lost your brother. He lost his life. And so change is hard, requires that surrender and sacrifice, uh, but it's hard, <laughs> and that's probably why more people don't do it. Uh, experts agree that recovery goes beyond remission of symptoms to include a positive change in the whole person. So it's really not about just stopping using. It really is about transforming the totality of who you are. And for some people, I think that can even be scary. Who am I if I'm not this tough guy from East Denver, you know, who's surviving and coping and, you know, right. fighting my way to the top? Yeah. It's the, the saying that the, the, w, the W knows better than the W you don't yeah, know. Yeah. yeah. And, and so there is some intangibles. There's some fearlessness and some courage and some hope. That, that's required for people to make these monumental changes. Um, and th my message is that these changes are very much possible, that treatment is yes. available, treatment works. There's, when I reached my hand out there for help, mm -hmm. which in a, in, a, in a world that I thought was cold and, and bad and, and, and evil, I reached my hand out there for help. There was, and when I really wanted the help, many hands were there mm -hmm. to help me, mm -hmm. many, and they still are now. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's, it's kind of why I do what I do. Is because I know there's probably some kid like me out there doesn't know what to do, doesn't know where to go, doesn't know who to talk to, and wants something better. Mm -hmm. And 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 fortunately for me, I called the right number. Yes. About 20 years ago, and somebody picked up the phone. Right. And, and so. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome. And and Lorraine, your brother was not isolated per se. He had family and friends who love him. But you've talked on a previous show about how he did begin to withdraw. And I imagine that as someone is going deeper into their addiction, uh, there is possibly some shame. We have a Facebook uh, comment about uh, how much does shame 
play in asking for help to get treatment. And so someone who might be surrounded by loving family members and professionals put reaching out a hand if you'll just reach back, but if you're too ashamed to ask for that help. How much of, of a role do you think that might have played with your brother? Oh, it definitely played a lot. I think that, um, you know, being raised for... My, my family was a proud family. You know, we... Um, in that sense. So from that, it was ingrained in him. So in a sense, we were in our own detriment to him because even though family was there, sometimes family is our worst enemy and they push us to um, make poor choices. Now, again, you're in control of your own choices. Um, but when you say that people were around him, he... Um, you know, you can be present in a room mm -hmm. and not feel any love. And if you've got your own stereotypes that you've built up over time, and one of his was that he was a mess up. And so in speaking with um, his fiance at the time, she said that even before he died, that's what he would say. Is that's that his perception of himself. My family thinks I'm a mess up. Mm -hmm. So that came from what he experienced and through high school, you know, all the things that he went through with high school and changing different high schools. And, you know, again, the African-American not fitting in, he went to private schools and we could look at a, a gamut of different things that caused that. But again, not getting the, the help um, and not reaching out for it um, and, and getting the right help. So like Matt said that he went to several people but they weren't able to, to get through to him. That wasn't his journey, I guess I should say. So my thought process, uh, you know, through this is that we need to understand, for, particularly for African-American um, males that are out there, that they do need that like face that can relate to what they've gone through. You do need somebody else that you can look at. And Matt, I guess you can kind of speak to that on a, on a professional level, but that's where he saw several people, but he still went in with that thought process that, I'm, I don't belong here. He would tell me that, you know, I'm not like them. And it's, it's, you can't label yourself. The issue is we all have an issue. We're trying to fill something with something else that is not healthy for us. Right. So how do we do that? Going back to, you know, um, investing in your health and, and dealing with the things that are at home, which brings you back to your mental health mm -hmm. and then uh, understanding your purpose and all of those things. I think um, when you're separated isolated, he became, you know, a functional addict, um, but it never dealt with the root. Uh, that what was underneath. Yes. yes. And listeners, I'm speaking with Lorraine Hoover, who lost her brother, Raymond, uh, to an opioid overdose. And I'm also speaking with Matthew Jarvis, who is a mental health professional, licensed professional counselor, licensed addict addiction counselor. And if you have a story of your own recovery from mental illness and substance and or substance use, and you'd like to share your story on the air, give us a call. We still have a few minutes left. We'd love to hear from you. The number is 303-477-5600. Uh, so Matthew, there, there are so many paths to recovery. And yeah. Lorraine said, you know, this path wasn't for her brother. Um, he reached out, tried to get help many times, but never quite felt like he fit in, that it was the right match for him. Yeah. Uh, but we know today there are so many different paths, evidence-based interventions and treatments that really do work. And so if the first one doesn't work, we, we hope people will yeah. reach out and try again. And that really is a part of the message is hope. And another part would be persevere. If it, if it doesn't work the first time, Try again yeah. and keep on trying. Keep going. I, I just, the, the, the caution with, with especially addiction is that it's so, it's fatal. Mm -hmm. So there's only so many, mm. you know, times yes. and, and um, before 
you're out of time. And so the way a person is engaged in treatment is really important. And so when we talk about shame, um, it's one of the more silent, persistent, you know, culprits in this whole uh, phenomenon Mm -hmm. that, again, we're not really looking to measure it. But it persists long after the uh, person may stop or cease using or acting out or whatever's happening. Mm -hmm. The shame endures. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and I know personally that that's something that really affected Raymond. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, being a clinician that I am, the most important thing, I don't think it's a lot, I mean, I think a like face and and that's important. It's more important to get the person to trust you Mm -hmm. and develop rapport and a relationship with that person that they will be willing to take those risks with you and let go of whatever it is that they hold on to that they're scared to let go of. And we don't want to use that as a reason not to get the help we want because you feel like the person is not like me. And sure, you may feel they cannot relate to you, but if they're a skilled clinician like you are, they they recognize that that they've got to win over your trust and yeah. um, get you in a, to, in a genuine to engage way, with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we don't want to use differences as an excuse or a reason to not get the help that we need to literally live. Uh, and we have a, about three minutes, and I want to give you enough time, Lorraine, to talk about the foundation that you did start um, for in your brother's memory and the types of services that you're offering. You've got your first uh, scholarship recipient who's yes. getting treatment. Talk about the mm-hmm. nature of the treatment. I mean, that's <laughs> exciting because you were here several months ago promoting the fundraiser and here we're seeing the fruit of it, yes. which we don't always get to circle back and see yes. Right. And hopefully we can maybe have this person on the program when they complete the program or at least have you come back confidentially and, and, and talk about without using their name, kind of how it went. Would be awesome. We would love that. Yeah. We would love that. So the the foundation is um, SOS, Spin for Opioid Sensibility, the Raymond Roundtree Junior Foundation. And um, it is, uh, the scholarship itself was um, to raise, um, it was $606,400 for a 12-week. State the number again? $6,400 to raise for a um, 12-week in-house inpatient, excuse me, um, inpatient intensive outpatient intensive outpatient (laughs) program I'm rushing on time and so um, so with that um, uh, this individual's already gone through detox they've already received made it through um, interviews to show that this person has made that commitment and uh, they're not ashamed they have the courage and they're going to do it so they start on Wednesday Um, the goal is to have a second annual uh, foundation um, which will take place January uh, the 19th 2019 at Cycle Bar and Long Tree, um, again, uh, getting the word out there to educate and then bring funds. And we're open to the funds that are out there. So if there's anybody that's struggling and they need something different, I'd love to hear from you because we want to have the funds for whatever works because right. not every case is the same. Awesome. And I'll have links back to Lorraine and Matthew on my website, drpegradio.com. Uh, so if people want to learn more about what's going on with your foundation, make a donation, they can. And Matthew, uh, you're accepting clients and um, specializing in addictions and trauma and pretty much anything anyone might need a therapist for. So listeners, go to drpegradio.com for links back to Lorraine and Matthew. Thank you both so much for being here with me today. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And listeners, thanks for tuning in. That was Lorraine Hoover and Matthew Jarvis. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark reminding you to live well. 
We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Living Well with Dr. Pegg. For more information or to contact Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark about her mental health or consulting services, please visit her webpage at drpegradio.com.